This podcast edition of Other Side of Texas is brought to you by our friends at Flint Boot and Hat, a West Texas original. You want a great hat or you want to make your boots great again, go see them at 3035 34th Street or Flint and 34th Street in Lubbock or see more at flinthat.com. It was freezing cold in Dallas when I made my getaway. I outran a cold front when I gave my truck the reins. Barreling down I-35 with one thought on my mind. Forget the race, find an open space. Hey there, howdy. Thanks for tuning in. And thank you for telling friends that you hang out here on what is... One of the fastest growing radio shows in all of West Texas, sitting with a team last night about what do we need to do. And they told us that, um, you know, we did this program daily or weekly, uh, February, and then in April, changed things up. And since April, this is just online. Uh, we've had 100,000 plays, and I'm really grateful. Did a little video that we're going to put up about that. But grateful that you take time and hang out on the other side of Texas with me, Jay West Texas Leeson, with all my West Texicans and all of my folks in College Station who make this uh, must-listen-to radio jamming out here where Buddy Holly became famous. Well, Buddy Holly was just doing his thing here. He became famous Whalen. Uh, working out here as well broadcasting from the racer car wash studios voted lubbock's best wash for five years running stop into one of five convenient locations here in the hub city for the best wash around that's guaranteed check out more at racerwash.com you want to be a part of the program as we roll along here 806 745 5800 that's 806 745 5800 what's the news asked travis the news is this <clears throat> they're on the text line the news is hard to come by at this point and uh, we're working very me and a group of people working very hard i kind of and i'll go back to this later in the program you know, whenever you get home from Halloween and all the easy stuff's on top and you pick all that out and then you got to dig through the bag. That's where we are right now uh, as we look at Regent Gate and all the stuff that's going on there. Um, there's a lot under and there's I've got to be really careful at this point as I discuss these issues because it has to be right. And I don't want to just throw things out there to throw them out there. Because Regent Gate gets pretty dicey. Yeah. The girl because of the people's thumbs. Had me down. Some of these regions the are under. The it's pretty, pretty difficult. Hey, but today what we got is Ross Ramsey for you. Executive editor of the Texas Tribune. Going to come up here about 10 minutes from now. We'll check in with Ross Ramsey. And... Kind of change the tone and look at what's going on across the state from somebody who's been watching it for 40 years. And that's uh, Ross Ramsey. A little bit later on, we're going to play a game of which regent did it. Which regent did it? Give you an opportunity to jump here on the text line. If win some great other side prizes. Which regent did it? Coming up shortly. Yeah, but first... Well, 
I'm working on something I'm going to put up tonight. Oh, by the way, tomorrow we are going to play an extended hit the hit the headline news, Daniel, because I'm going to throw you off here. We're going to tomorrow bring you the Rager Bart Rager the Rager Dykes bankruptcy schedules expected to appear tomorrow. That'll be the talk of the town. We've played you bits of audio here on the program. Tomorrow, first half of the program, we are going to play for you extended audio, alleged audio from sales meetings inside Rager Dykes uh, for you to hear the things about uh, alleged Bart Rager's Act, uh, his attitude towards bankruptcy, his attitude towards how well his name is known, and it'll be some great, it'll be some great background for you as you read the news that will certainly dominate the weekend. Tomorrow, I'm just going to guess the schedules will come out, and then the follow-ups will be what happens to these entities, banking and otherwise. A couple of banks in town going to get hit awfully hard tomorrow, my understanding, here in Lubbock. And what's the fallout from there? To whom do they owe money? Can they make it? Are they going to exceed their legal lending limit? That's going to be a big story as we go into the weekend. On uh, also we have oh we got to hit the we got to hit the news music again. You got it? You got it handy? Or you already moved on to the next thing? You got it? Okay, you do got it. Uh, we're just going to be busting it up tomorrow on the show. We're going to have a member of the House investigating the Texas House investigating an ethics committee on the program to give their thoughts uh, about what they see going on at Texas Tech and their thoughts on where they are on moving forward in the process and what the temperature of the committee might be as they see these things come forth from uh, Texas Tech. Plenty of questions to be answered. And then on Friday we'll have uh, the author of Perfect Pass, C.S. Gwynn on the show, Sam Gwynn, and we'll be talking about how how Mummy and Mike Leach change college football. It's a, I believe it's a New York Times bestseller by Sam Gwynn. But first, let me get into something that I'm going to uh, continue throughout the program. And excuse me, clearing my leeson throat there i want to begin to talk about greg abbott governor abbott's lubbock problem this all kind of started as a you know i wouldn't say a small fire it was a considerable fire and then it began to rage across the prairie up here on top of the cap rock and this the story begins with what I've written about. Daniel Hodge, Chief of Staff of Governor Abbott, late 2016, comes into the Regents and says, you can have a vet school or you can have a dental school, but you won't have both. Choose. And at that point in time, the dental school was funded by a great deal of Woody Hunt money. As part of this investment group, which I'll get into more next week, but that's where the real chasm began to form in the with the board of regents so i understand and the governor's office has not denied neither has daniel hodge denied 
the account that we have up on othersideoftexas.com. But my where I think local media is missing this is that this wasn't old. I do not believe, based upon what I know and what I intuit, this was not ultimately Greg Abbott's decision. Greg Abbott has been shown over time to move based upon what donors want him to do. And whenever I talk about this investment group based out of El Paso, there is considerable Abbott contributors involved. And so my understanding, the narrative that I'm beginning to build in my own mind, based upon things I read, not that I think, but that I read, and then begin to make some logical deductions, is that Abbott was moving for someone and moved through Daniel Hodge, who has a one big connection in state politics, and that's with A&M Chancellor John Sharp. So the ultimatum is given, and then things begin to grow into a chasm until... That was August 13, the announcement, the, re- the, the retirement, quote-unquote, which we have later, through stuff we've put up, through sources that we've cited and stories that we've told on their behalves, you know that it was a forced retirement. But then the week afterwards came, and this is just, um, I'm going to get to your tweet here in a little bit or to your text here in a minute, James. But this is where Abbott really fails to perform as a politician. That the week after, George McMahon, and this is the week after the announcement, the week before Greg Abbott's announcement, or his fundraiser in town, George McMahon, well-respected, prominent Lubbock developer, I believe is retired, took an interview after he made comments on Facebook, and by Facebook I mean my page on Facebook, and said that he had some real reservations about attending the fundraiser that was coming up then on August 22. And then after his post, he was given everything Lubbock.com, KMAC, KLBK, came in and interviewed George McMahon. And in that interview, McMahon said uh, that to be eligible for positions like Regents, one must, quote, make a large donation to the governor and, in turn, you're eligible for appointment. The, essentially saying pay to play, and then on top of that, the governor might know something about what's happened behind closed doors in Lubbock. The governor might be a part of it. It was then that Abbott returned McMahon's check and disinvited George McMahon and his wife Linda from the event, which then the fire grows. And this is where I'm saying, we're talking about personal responsibility, where there's political responsibility. What what the governor's done at this point effectively, and I'm going to leave this off till after Ross come back to it in about half an hour, has said he doesn't know squat about Lubbock because it was at that point that Mark McDougal and Delbert McDougal and their wives, a family that is pretty linked in with Republicanism in Lubbock, pulled out that you can't treat George like that. And then it just got worse from there. 
And I think at the end of the day, it's going to feed into Lyle Larson's hands to people who have essentially been arguing pay to play for some time. And the Lubbock problem is not going away for Greg Abbott anytime soon, especially if he reappoints Board of Regents Chairman Rick Francis. But even then, even if he doesn't, there'll be plenty of smoke rolling off the Caprock, down in the Caprock, down into the Capitol come January. Speaking of the Capitol, somebody knows they the Beltway. Ross Ramsey, take a break from this and then get in with Ross on this break about 90 seconds from now. Stick right with us here, other side of Texas. The only sure thing is Texas and I. And your love makes a living worthwhile. Hey, the other side of Texas, sponsored by the law firm of Mullen Horton Brown, LLP, with offices in Lubbock, Amarillo, and Dallas, employing creative legal solutions to address your business needs in the areas of com- commercial litigation, banking, financial restructuring, employment law, and estate planning. Every week he joins us here on the program. He is the professor, my political counselor. Let me sit down on his couch now. He is Ross Ramsey. How you doing, Ross Ramsey? I'm doing great. What's going on? Uh, everything. <laughs> it's, uh, that can be good. Biggest small town in the world, the rural metropolis, with uh, more news than we know what to do with at this point. Um, but we want to kind of catch a break on that. And Ted Cruz in town, as we speak, I believe, maybe leaving. Uh, in this race, you've written about this there at texttribune.org. By the way, you can catch Ross Ramsey's pieces every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, who's got longer coattails and coattails that matter right now in Texas, Beto O'Rourke or Ted Cruz? You know, I think it's really interesting. You know, if you're down ballot from these guys, if you're in a close district where Democrats have lost by, you know, five or six points or where Republicans are only winning by five or six points, you don't want to see a close race at the top of the ticket, right? You know, it might swamp you. Uh, If you're in a district... You know, like some of the districts in West Texas, where the Republicans are so far ahead of the Democrats they can't even see them, um, then it won't matter much. But if you're in a close district, uh, in the Metroplex, say, around Dallas-Fort Worth, a couple of the districts around the Central Texas area, Austin and Williamson County, and, and, and some places like that, a close race at the top of the ticket can be dangerous if you're a Republican and actually can inspire hope in places where Democrats didn't have any before. So... If that race stays as close as some of the polls look like it might, and, you know, there's a bunch of cautions there. There's summertime polls. It's a long way away, et cetera, et cetera. But if that race stays close, you know, it could be dangerous for down-ballot Republicans and enlivening for down-ballot Democrats. You know, we've seen these polls a lot, Ross, and you see them afterwards. And I think what I've heard a lot of people take is a rule of 10, in that whatever poll you see you add 10 and that'll be most likely the reality on the first Tuesday in November. Do you think that rule sticks with uh, Beto O'Rourke and Ted Cruz? Is it more likely that O'Rourke's down 13 rather than down by three? I, You know, I wouldn't call that a rule. I'd call it folk wisdom. Um, and, you know, it might be right sometimes, but, you know, you don't know what the, you know, the first thing we don't know is what voters are going to be thinking about when they vote in October. 
You know, if, if we know anything at all about current politics is that the conversation changes every 15 minutes, and you don't know whether people are going to be up on the administration, up on Republicans, down on the administration, down on Republicans, talking about something else altogether. So you don't know the, the environment you're going to be voting in. The next thing that you don't know is how you're going to be thinking about Ted Cruz and, in particular, about Beto O'Rourke. You know, we've talked about O'Rourke has a, a pretty hard, large number of people who haven't made up their minds what they think about him yet. You know, people know Ted Cruz pretty well, especially after a presidential race, and they have a pretty good idea what they think of Ted Cruz. But there's this group of about 20% of voters who haven't yet formed a hard opinion about Beto O'Rourke, either in a positive or a negative way. And that really is the group that O'Rourke and Cruz are going to be working on for a lot of the next 60 days, trying to figure out, you know, trying to convince those people they do or don't like O'Rourke. And, you know, that's how that race is going to go. So, I, you know, I don't think I'd predict anything yet. One thing I do think is really interesting right now in these summertime polls is the difference between the margin that they're seeing in the governor's race and the margin that they're seeing in the Senate race. And if you just do the math and squint at it for a minute, it suggests that there is such thing out there, at least now in the summer, as a voter who is considering voting for O'Rourke and is also considering voting for Greg Abbott. That's a ticket splitter, and we haven't seen a lot of those in a while. Yeah, well, I can certainly understand Ross Ramsey as we carry on here. What do you think about, uh, let's just get way out there for a moment. Um, What do you think about Bob Duncan, Governor 2022? Uh, I think it'd be a, you know, he'd have a lot of work to do. Uh, he'd have to run against a bunch of people. We're in this weird situation in the Republican Party right now where that's similar to where we were with um, the Democrats in the 90s. There's a bunch of people in down-ballot statewide offices like Ken Paxton and George Bush and Glenn Hager and Christy Craddock and, you know, so on, who have their eye at least sideways on a future gubernatorial race. And they're all sort of building organizations and building the kinds of contacts and the kinds of outfits that you would need to run for governor if and when Greg Abbott isn't running for governor. Uh, This happened in the 80s, you know, when it was Gary Morrow and Dan Morales and Rick Perry and Kay Bailey Hutchison and John Sharp and all of those kinds of characters. And I think those people who are building the organizations and are already in statewide office would have a jump on almost anybody who's not in that position. But it doesn't mean they'd necessarily win, but I think they'd, they'd be the people that you'd consider first, uh, in a, you know, at least at this point in a, in a race like that. Yeah, well, I'll ask you about some. I, I see Republicans beginning to let up a little bit from where they were four years ago. And I know this is an obvious answer because you're... Let up how? Well, let up on the hardcore right stuff. And I'll give you a great example. Um, And I appreciate it. Senator Charles Perry. I think locally you've seen him not throw as many rocks, but catch more rocks so as to say that the context has changed a little bit nationally. And I think that may play into some races coming up. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think that's certainly possible. I'm always a little bit hesitant to predict the future in politics because it jumps around so much. I mean, if you look 
you know, 24 months ago, um, I certainly wasn't predicting the rise and success of Don, Donald Trump, uh, and I don't think a lot of people in politics were. You know, this game changes so quickly, and uh, unexpected things happen so regularly that, you know, it, it, um, it makes fortune tellers pretty humble. Yeah. Well, and you know, speaking of rules or folklore or whatever we want to call it, we were all certainly off by 10 points on Trump. Um, Ross Ramsey, as we carry on here, you know, one other little curveball I want to throw at you. Yesterday we had Lyle Larson on the show. He thought 2026 would be a time in which these Republican majorities are going to be in a lot of trouble. Now I'm asking you to look into your crystal ball, but... Do you think that, because we were having a conversation about, he said, look, I would go after the governor's, uh, what he calls pay to play, regardless mm-hmm. who this the governor is the was. the legislation that he filed last session. That yes. Was, right. And I think 3305 or whatever the House bill was, but he was talking about it within context of Regents and Lubbock and at Texas Tech. But he said look if we don't get this done now these if wendy davis what he said was if wendy davis were governor we would go after pay to play so why are we waiting this is a bipartisan this is what's good and i just thought that said so the conversation came around to when do you think democrats will make this move and he said i think by 2026 we could be looking as, up as the minority party in texas you know, 2026 is a science fiction year to me. Um, you could have, you know, so many things could happen between now and then, and it's just as possible that in 2026 you have the kind of movement that he's talking about, but it's coming from in the Republican Party. Politics changes all the time, and, you know, it changes depending on the context, and it, what really changes it is what voters are interested in. And until voters are interested in something like that pay-to-play legislation, the legislature is certainly not going to go against a governor of its own party in a situation like that. If voters were demanding it, though, they'd run over him. Um, and, you know, I mean, that's always been true. So if Larson or whoever can get, you know, people to rally around that and get voters paying attention to it, if voters pay attention, legislators will, and the law will change. Now, whether that's going to be a Democratic resurgence or a Republican resurgence or what, you know, or if it's even going to happen, I mean, um, you know, that's just that's just something to bet on, to wager on. Hmm. By that point, I will be saying, welcome in Ross Ramsey, a 50-year political observer in Texas. That, that'll be I great. think you'll be trying to find me where I retired. <laughs> I'll still be calling you. Uh, so for folks, one of the big issue that new listeners may not be aware of is that there's a new speaker who's about to be elected in the Texas House. Talk to us about the theatrics that will go on there, the political maneuvering. But I want to begin you with this. Why is that such an important issue in Texas right now? Who will be the next Speaker of the House? You know, the easiest way to describe this is that the the Senate and the House and the governor during a legislative session are always jockeying with each other and negotiating with each other. Sometimes all three of them are in agreement, and sometimes none of them are in agreement. So it's one-to-one-to-one. But a lot of the time it's two-to-one some way or the other, the House and the Senate against the governor, the House and the governor against the Senate, and recently for the last couple of sessions it's been the governor and the senate against the house and if you're changing leadership in the house one of the questions in front of the house is going to be 
do we want to get along better with the senator, Senate and the governor? And by get along, I mean, do we want to pass more of their kind of legislation? Or do we want to continue to resist some of it as we have been doing? And one of the things that's at stake in a race for speaker, and one of the things that will become evident in the race for speaker, is how the House feels about that. You know, if, the, if, if it's the sentiment of most of the House to, you know, hey, this has gone on long enough, let's make up, then you'll see a speaker who's, you know, different and handles things differently than Joe Strauss. If, on the other hand, Joe Strauss turns out to have been handling things exactly the way the House wants to, then, you know, that kind of a speaker is going to probably emerge over there. And so as we're in this race for Speaker of the House, one of the questions, I don't know that it's going to be the question, but certainly one of the questions is going to be, for that speaker among members of the House is going to be, how do you think we ought to handle the Senate? How do you think we ought to handle the governor? And, you know, there's probably there's 150 House members. There are probably 150 variations on the answer. But what's at stake for voters, if you want the kinds of stuff that has been blocked by the House, this is an opportunity to get a speaker who's more on your side. And if you, you know, are more on the other side and you like the way the House has gone and that they block some of the things that they block then you're hoping and rooting for somebody who at least, you know, on those kinds of issues is like Joe Strauss. Uh, that's that's really what's at stake here. Uh, how many of the 150 in the House are looking at the mirror and thinking that they are the next Speaker of the House? You know, I think the only one that you're sure is not is probably named Joe Strauss. Yep. Right? I think they, I think they get up, everybody fruit, gets up Ross. the next morning and says, wow, what it, could it be me? Huh. So so there's big power grab going on to become speaker. Are there other power grabs going on? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the first thing a speaker does is name the members of the committees and name the chairman of the committees. If you want to run the budget and you want the appropriations committee chairmanship, nobody can promise it to you. It's against, you know, it's actually against the law to trade and say if you vote for me, I'll name you to that. Um, but everybody the minute after a speaker is elected, that speaker starts working out who are going to be the chairman of the committees, the powerful committees, the less powerful committees, not chairman at all, all that kind of stuff is in play. And your ability to get things done in the House, you know, is sometimes based on where your assignments are. If you're interested in agriculture and you really want on that committee, that next speaker is the person who can give that to you or not give it to you. So, yeah, all of the power plays all of the way down in the House. You're, each member of the House is voting based on his or her assessment of how well they can do under this speaker or that one. Hmm. So what's coming down the pike there at uh, TexasTribune.org? Ross Ramsey. Oh, I think, I think honestly, we're getting to trying to get a lot of stuff uh, finished this week before the long weekend. The, the political season, as you know, always has like an unofficial start right after Labor Day, and I expect that we're going to be seeing a bunch of ads and a bunch of politicking that we haven't really been seeing if you think the summer was busy, you're about to really see something. And do y'all take uh, political kind of, ads? Kind of getting ready for all that. You Sorry? take political ads on the site, Text Tribune. Uh, I think we would. I, you know, we don't. Uh, we haven't necessarily taken like the regular, you know, one trying to bash the other one's head in. All of those kinds of ads, but you know, um, we've taken some political ads. I don't know that we've had campaign ads on the site. I'd have to go back and look. Yeah, I haven't seen them. That's why I'm asking kind of wrestling with that maybe we can talk about it offline you can give me some further counseling all right all right so ross ramsey thank you buddy every week ross ramsey check him out at ross ramsey on twitter
do you have something else you want to throw in there no i was just going to say it's always a pleasure thanks bud i appreciate you uh we'll talk to you next week ross ramsey ladies and gentlemen get into a break and get back in with oh i see everything love it just putting up a public records show that the misappropriation rumor absolutely false against bob duncan get into that more stick with us here on the other side of texas Hey, rolling along in the segment brought to you by Title One, Lubbock's digital real estate and title escrow company. Title One is committed to providing you with the highest level of communication and service from the time the contract opens until it closes. See how Title One can serve your realty, consumer, and lending needs at TitleOne.com. Going to play a game of which region did it? $20 gift certificate to flint boot and hat shop which regent did it coming up first person to text in with the correct answer this news out of everything lubbock i really like james clark as i've called him there on the other side of texas intrepid reporter uh lubbock dateline lubbock allegations of misappropriation against texas tech Chance- chancellor turned out to be false according to an open records response from the Texas Tech University system. On August 15, two days after Duncan's announcement, the response was received yesterday. Duncan announced his retirement on August 13. Uh, This all stems from scumbag of the earth, no good, sorry, say anything, sell your soul, Shooter McSullivan, of empowered texans legally named i think michael q sullivan tweeted sources tell me that the chancellor of a major texas university system is today being canned or forced to resign over misappropriation of funds uh james clark went in made a public records request and it it's essentially said there is nothing that we see on record that shows misappropriation of funds so that <clears throat> continuing to unfold i'm sure that they'll try to find those folks uh, associated with shooter mcsullivan who by the way many of you have trusted and you should not have because this is the kind of work they do whenever your guy was having shooter mcsullivan work for them in a west texas race you probably liked him but where are you now i doubt you like him very much whenever he's going up against bob duncan and that's just the kind of hatchet work these guys do transparency my rear end there's nobody opaque in the texas political dictionary has shooter mcsullivan's face right beside it and you can't quite make it out because it is as i said opaque starting that rumor and then substantiated and through the chancellor's office or through steinmetz or whoever what a botched operation you don't even legitimize it and i've said this before just because and i'll just use the name of somebody coming up on the show 
tomorrow, Pancho Navarez, part of the Investigating and Ethics Committee, General Investigating and Ethics Committee of the House, to come on and talk about the tech situation, what he makes of it. And he is, he is a Democrat, but I think a, a fairly moderate Democrat. And some might call him too conservative of a Democrat. Uh, but he has a disinterest. He lives in Eagle Pass. That's what he represents. But he's still come across these stories. He's going to come on and talk to us. But what if I said that, what if I said, um, I heard a rumor that Pancho Navarez was Superman. And I came out on the, it's ridiculous. Why even repeat it? And that's some good snuffing out there by James Clark to go chase that thing down earlier i was talking to you about abbott's lubbock problem and here it is in a nutshell abbott i think acting on behalf of other donors contributors and this is speculative but the way that i put the story together moved to make tech decide between a dental school and a vet school initially was on board with it i think got political pressure and i think too many as i said earlier too many local media groups are just pinning this on abbott i don't think this was abbott's design in the first place because i generally abide by this theory those guys don't want to mess around with this part of the world number one because it's so far off and it's all the same thing people in lubbock think well you know, so long as we're okay, there are cattle guard gates around the city. Well, it's not, because in the inside the Beltway, we're all the same thing. Uh, Littlefield, Paducah, Dalhart, La Mesa, Lubbock, all the same thing, and they don't necessarily care. Now, I think that they've learned over time that if you get those people riled up, then it can go a long ways, and that's what Abbott has done here by effectively helping create the chasm buckling to whatever pressure through daniel hodge late 2016 and then it plays out and you do get a dental school you've got rick francis caught up with a lot of investors who are really in my view and this will all come to writing soon and it'll all be cited and put out for you there but acting on behalf of a lot of a lot of investors with a lot of money and a lot of influence making a call be made vet school dental school of course they're going to go dental school that time late 2016 it was funded but again abbott there are instances where abbott just cannot help himself and to come up here and to say because he's bothered in the same way he got bothered by lyle larson who put up a bill to limit his he could only appoint somebody if they'd given less than twenty five hundred dollars well now they're given hundreds of thousands of dollars the the governor gets irked about that vetoes a couple of lyle larson's bills if you didn't listen to the program you can go back and catch this episode uh, one back from where you're listening now lyle larson couple of bills vetoed and then on top of that he draws a primary opponent who he says got $150,000 from the governor. Now, somebody else who spoke out publicly on this was Sarah Davis, a state representative out of West University Place. And if this is all making your eyes glaze over, I'm coming back to it here. Guess who's the chair of the House Investigating and Ethics Committee? One Sarah Davis. That's who. And so Abbott has a real problem on his hands 
up here because of the way that he's handled things to tell McMahon to tell George and Linda here's your money back and then to disinvite them and then to rile up the McDougals and get them out and that brings us to where I left off in the opener of the program is that now you've got guys like Lyle Larson who and not guys a Lyle Larson and a house that backed the bill, I think put 91 votes towards it, some 40 or so against it. Uh, John Frulo of Lubbock, the state representative, voting for it. And now you've got this problem on your hands because this is going to die down before January. Unless word breaks that Rick Francis, the chairman of the board, is going to be reappointed into what I think will become what his... He'll break 20 years straight on the Board of Regents. Rick Francis, who has an LLC, Red Raider Capital LLC. And he's certainly, this is not absolute power, but it's kind of a whole lot of power and kind of a whole lot of power corrupts. And I think that the financial disclosures begin to allude to that. And so Francis has acted in the way he has. But the problem going forward for Abbott is that while... As Ross Ramsey was just saying, if members of the House and the Senate don't see it as a problem, then they're going to kind of balk away from it and not take it up. But now, if you're Senator Charles Perry and you're getting all these emails about this situation and then Lyle Larson puts this bill back up, guess who's going to be in the testifying line to speak on behalf of the bill for Lyle Larson, who was not there before? A lot of people up on the cap rock and a lot of people be waiting in that line that are wearing red and black because they've seen it play out firsthand right where they live and they're going to want something to be done about it and i you know i have this tagline uh, the last thing you want to do is get lubbock folks riled up because they can raise a lot of in case little kids are listening he double hockey sticks and we certainly can and that's been the case over the last month and will continue to be the case and that's what i think abbott's lubbock problem will be going forward and it's not that i mean the political math is this it's 10 percent of the vote so he doesn't necessarily have to care because i, I doubt anybody other outside of like half a percent is going to vote go vote for Lupe valdez but it can present problems as the rest of the state begins to see wow that played out up here I hope it doesn't play out down here, over here, over there, because then other senators, not just House members, but senators could get indignant about it. And then Greg Abbott's power, so far as favors coming home to roost and pay-to-play being in motion, could be imperiled. And that's a lot of his Lubbock problem going away, and I don't think it's going away anytime soon for him at least into the session this smoke will drift from this fire down off the cap rock into the capitol in january and if he chooses to put rick francis up again in movements not made to call these others into question huckabee steinmetz long in particular then there are going to be significant problems that continue to play out here so it's not going away for Abbott, but something I hope's not going away for us is you. Stick with us. 90 seconds. Get into which region did it. A couple of news notes that you need to know. Thanks for tuning in. Stick with us here on the other side.
Howdy, Jay. West Texas Leeson here. I'm going to tell you about my friends at Flint Boot and Hat. They've been building hats since 1994 and repairing boots, I guess, since forever. My dog chewed up my ostrich boots. Jared and his guys replaced the heel, made them look new again, put new pulls on, and at a super affordable price, they've resold my boots, and they build great hats. Love these guys. Go check them out. 3035 34th Street or Flint Boot and Hat Shop at Flint and 34th Street. See more at FlintHat.com. Hey, welcome back in. Close out today with our friends at Lubbock File Room. Lubbock File Room providing safe and secure document storage and shredding services to Lubbock and the surrounding area since 1992 for a free and hassle-free estimate call 806-744-7666 that's 806-744-7666 like i said finishing up that piece abbott's lubbock problem we'll post that this evening speaking of Lubbock problems. Let's play a little game. Get your phones out. 806-745-5800. First one in. $20 gift certificate to Flint Boot and Hat Shop. Make your boots new again, as you just heard in the commercials. Which region is it? And let's get our theme music going. Came in hot there, buddy. Pretty excited? Okay. According to contributions reported to the Texas Ethics Commission from 2000 to current date, there have been contributions upwards of, yeah, that is Monty Python, Travis. Uh, the contributions of 719,626,000 another regent 218,000 one more 270,000 but which regent did this between 2000 to date he has only given 4,154 dollars 4,154 dollars which regent did it put that back on <laughs> wait for him to roll in nope not hammonds i mean how in the world okay i like that music better actually how in the world the next it's two hundred and fourteen thousand dollars away from the next contribution you go up from four thousand to two hundred and eighteen thousand no no I, I gotta have no it can't be that and yep you got it tracy you uh i'll send you some information after the show who did it which region did it four thousand one hundred and fifty four dollars that's john steinmetz ladies and gentlemen getting away how about that got a regent position for four thousand one hundred and fifty four dollars I know, and they're going to start rolling in. I know that there are contributions of people related and all that stuff, but I don't like to get into those weeds here. Leave that for other people to bring up. 
one other thing, just off the grid right quick. Uh, my kids and I, my boys, we love to play some, to watch some NFL football. And they don't know about the flag controversy and all that stuff. They're too young. I loved it whenever I was a kid. So I just let it play out. But news today, and this is good news, at least for me. I don't know how you feel about it. But Bob Costas, I don't have to listen to him lecture me anymore during games about things that have no relation to football whatsoever. And I'm so, just, he's 40 years, it was a good 40-year run. He's been at NBC as long, longer than I've been alive. And I just say to you, Bob Costas, Viacon Dios, and maybe you can get a spot on The View or some other program that needs more of an effeminate, more of a uh, touchy-feely side. Because I just... And by the way, Sunday Night Football, how many people need to be on that broadcast? Like, just give me Dan Patrick, Tony Dungy, and then the two dudes in the booth. But that's all I need. You can tell I've got uh, football on my mind as that stuff rolls around. And then Tech plays... uh, What? The play Saturday? Ole Miss... It'll be fun. At least it's fun initially. We're zero, we're zero and zero. Um, but listen, I'm going to go ahead and sign off with you, and you got to finish that piece up. And then we have a research meeting tonight. Lots more coming for you. And like I said, the easy stuff was on top, and hopefully we brought you a few of those things, and you appreciated what we brought you and how we did it. But now the other stuff is deep and got to touch base with some folks and see how all that research action is going. Uh, Tracy, again, winning which region Which region did it. And I uh, want to just remind you, tomorrow some extended alleged Rager Gate audio. We're going to play for you on the show. Have Poncho Navarez from the house investigating an ethics committee come on talk about the tech situation get a temperature from him maybe the committee friday uh, sam gwen uh, perfect that's two episodes from now if you're just listening straight podcast try not to timestamp this as much as i have to uh, perfect pass sam gwen how mike leach and how mommy changed college football and then get in with uh, the Politico folks, uh, Politico Ag reporters, on what this tariff relief could mean for our neck of the wood, neck of the prairie. And also, my buddy Brandon Darby, Breitbart, Texas, your buddy, our buddy, taking down some major cartel chiefs, uh, the chief and then the lieutenant there at Breitbart, Texas, the, uh, ca- uh, the Cartel Chronicles. Really impressive stuff that they're doing there. Uh, Want to hear from him and the episodes to come. Uh, no, that text late. Tracy already won. Which regent did it? Only donated $4,000 and got... Uh, it's actually pretty good. Their answer was John Sharp, and that's not correct. Um, but uh, speaking of John Sharp, just a little ditty throw out to him. I mean, I mean, listen, he won the war. Uh, or has won a major battle and we buckled our regents buckled and so yeah under his thumb hey uh, don't stay under anybody's thumb be a West Texacan not a West Texacant and we'll get it on and 
get it back on next time here on the other side of Texas for Ross Ramsey. Looking forward to Poncho Navarez. Uh, looking forward to the audio that we're going to break loose for you tomorrow where we rave on here from AM580. The studios where Buddy Holly became famous. We'll see you next edition of Other Side of Texas. It'll be must listen. Go ahead and get the popcorn ready. Signing off. Gotta get home. Great family. Above average dinner. And I'll talk with you West Texacans tomorrow about this time right here on AM580.